0: Good to see you all this fine uh, morning. Uh, Our baby boy is finally here in the flesh, uh, Ezra Ray McLean. Uh, It's been uh, quite the wild adventure uh, the three of us have been on in the past month and 10 days. He's a month and 10 days old today, Um, and let me tell you, it feels so much longer than a month and 10 days Um, as we uh, experienced some uh, very scary lows, some of the lowest lows in my life. Um, Seeing him get worse and worse at the Springfield Hospital, Um, seeing him being transferred to Dayton in the incubator, Um, seeing him on the ventilator and unable to make any noises. There were a lot of uh, very scary lows, some of the lowest lows of my life. Um, But with that said, there's also uh, plenty of highs uh, with the birth of our son. Uh, Getting to hold him for the first time was a joy, seeing him smile for the first time, hearing him cry as we couldn't hear him cry on the ventilator, Uh, him finally getting off the oxygen. Um, Seeing our family and our loved ones hold the little guy and love on him uh, was always a joy. Coming home for the first time and coming to church for the first time and for Ezra to meet his church family for the first time has all been part of the many, many hives and the many, many joys of being a father that I've had uh, so far. And so he gets to hear uh, his first sermon uh, from his daddy uh, today. Now, I told them. You better not fall asleep, son. Uh, but we're we're not off to a good start. He he's back there snoozing. Uh, it's nap time for him, I guess. Dad's talking time to nap, and you know how it goes. Um, but today, bud, we're talking about uh, all about Jesus. We we've been talking all about Jesus. Um, the past couple of weeks as we're getting ready for the Christmas season, as we just uh, sang a little town of Bethlehem, a song about Jesus' birth in, in the little town of Bethlehem, as Jen went over the Advent uh, candle on the Advent season, talking about the coming, the birth of, of our uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and to get us ready for the Christmas season, because again, with all the festivities and joys uh, that we experience and, and get to go through in the Christmas season, we often uh, may forget the True meaning of the season, and that's the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And now it may seem kind of crazy that this celebration of this man Jesus is so big, even 2,000 years after he was born. And we've been talking uh, these past couple weeks why this celebration is so big. It's because this man Jesus was so, so important, and he had many important titles to him. The, the first uh, week, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus is the only birth or the only begotten Son of God. We're, we're all children of God, but in a sense, by adoption, a, a, as we give our life over to God um, He he considers us his children as well. And the final accusation that the Jews had against Jesus before they sent Jesus away to the Roman Empire to be crucified was that he was the son of God. The, the Jews thought that was uh, an outrageous claim to claim to be the Son of God. Now now the Jews could have made their life a whole lot easier if they got Jesus to convince that he was God the Son, uh, but Jesus made no such claim, so they couldn't make uh, that that claim that he was God the Son, but instead they had to stick with that he was the Son of god and so that, that's what we talked about a couple of weeks the importance of jesus being the only birth son of god he was conceived by god's holy spirit that's crazy last week we talked about how jesus was the christ um and some of us learned that christ is indeed not jesus last name Surprise, surprise. Uh, But Christ is a title, um, uh, just as the Son of God is a title, or as we'll talk about more titles in the future. But Christ um, uh, simply means uh, the anointed one. Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, and it's the same as uh, the the word you may hear, Messiah. They they all mean anointed one. And anointed is an English word. It's a fancy word basically for chosen. So when we, when we say that Jesus is the Christ or Jesus Christ, we're saying that Jesus is the chosen one. And, and we're applying that Jesus is the chosen one of God. And now the Jews were looking for this Messiah or for this Christ for thousands and thousands of years. And it dates all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. That's what we took a look at last week. That's the very first promise of Jesus, the very first promise of the Christ, the very first promise of the Messiah, that, that Jesus would crush the head of the serpent. That's the first promise of Jesus. And, and if you don't know Genesis 3:15, that dates all the way back to Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve are the first human beings who have ever lived on this earth. So ever since the very first human beings have lived on this earth, people have been looking forward to hope, putting their hope in this Messiah and this Christ. And Jesus turned out to be, Jesus of Nazareth turned out to be the Christ that so many people were, were, were looking and searching for for thousands of years. And so we talk about how he is the chosen one of God, and he reconciles us back to God. As in the beginning, man messed it up, and we're not really doing much any better now, but, but Jesus reconciles, he, he fixes our relationship with God so that we can have a relationship with him, and a perfect relationship with him in God's coming kingdom. Today, uh, we're going to talk about another title uh, that Jesus has. Uh, Jesus is often known as a king. That's what we're talking about uh, this morning, that Jesus is a king. And really throughout all of Jesus' life, throughout all of his earthly ministry here on earth, he was known as a king. And he is known as the king of the Jews. And we can see that even from his birth, He was considered a king. And so we're going to take a quick peek at parts of the nativity scene this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 2, the first book of the New Testament, the first of the three synoptic gospels. Matthew chapter 2. Um, And you'll probably be reading uh, this passage again later on this Christmas season as this is part of the nativity scene, part of the scene of Jesus' birth. But in Matthew chapter 2, we'll start in verse 1, we'll see how Jesus had the title of king from his birth. That, that's pretty special to be a baby and be known as a king. But it says uh, in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, uh, Matthew writes, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod, heard, uh, the, king, or, or when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So we'll stop there real quick. So here uh, they, we, we uh, are introduced to the people of the wise men, um, as you may be familiar with the wise men in the nativity scene. So here we see some wise men. We're not exactly sure how many are there, um, at least two, as they're men. So the wise men come, and they come to King Herod. Herod was the king uh, of the region around Jerusalem. And if you remember, Jerusalem is basically the capital city of the Jews. So here some wise men come to the king of the capital city of the Jews. And these wise men come to the king and say, Hey, King Herod, where is the king of the Jews? Where was he born? And now obviously this did not please Herod. As some wise men came, approached the king and said, Hey, king, where's the other true king of the Jews that that has been born? And so he wasn't pleased with this. And it also says um, in verse 3 that uh, Jerusalem was troubled with them as well. As they're hearing news that there's some baby king who's in charge of them. There's a king who's a baby who is king over them. I mean, that, that probably wouldn't make uh, many of us happy if we didn't know the context of the story and know how important this guy was. But here are these wise men. They came to the king, King Herod, saying, where is this king of the Jews? Verse two, it says, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And so uh, the wise men start talking with some of the other scribes, and they're inquiring that uh, this king of the Jews could be the Christ. And so they go back to the prophecies in, in the Old Testament, um, back into Micah 5 two, and they say, well, the, the Christ was to be born in the little town of Bethlehem, as we just say. So we continue in verse 7. It says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them uh, what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when ye have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So here we see, uh, see that King Herod, uh, he instructed the wise men uh, to go to uh, the little town of Bethlehem to see uh, this king of the Jews, again, king of the Jews from birth. And and so the wise men, they they follow the king's orders and and they go to the little town of Bethlehem and uh, they stumble uh, upon Mary and Joseph and uh, the sweet uh, baby uh, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Um, And so they present the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Uh, Many of you guys may probably have nativity scenes back at home uh, with the wise men presenting uh, the gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. That's exactly what's taking place here. Um, And so as they present the gifts to uh, this king of the Jews, um, they, they have a dream, um, stating in verse 12, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they depart to their own country by another way. So they, they were warned in a dream not to return to King Herod, even though King Herod was the one who sent them to go find uh, the king of the Jews. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men." So here uh, we see uh, that an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph, uh, Joseph the father, uh, not really the father, um, but uh, the uh, husband of Mary who was the mother of Jesus as again Jesus was conceived uh, not by Joseph but by the Holy Spirit. And so an angel appears to Joseph saying, rise, take the child and mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And so Joseph, being obedient, uh, he listens uh, to the angel, and they depart to Egypt. And uh, King Herod eventually uh, found out that the wise men uh, were, were, were playing tricks behind his back. They, they didn't report back to him that they had found the king of the Jews. And so what does King Herod do? Well, he kills all of the baby boys who were two years and younger in the town of Bethlehem and, and in the surrounding region. That's how jealous, that's how much this king uh, of the city of Jerusalem despised this king of the Jews. Now, I imagine uh, he, he was probably annoyed that some other baby um, was being called king of the Jews. But I bet you that he felt quite threatened by this baby. So threatened that he had the will and, and he had the desire to kill all of the baby boys who were two years and younger, my, my baby boy Ezra, if he were living in that time, would, would have fall under those circumstances, and he would have died because of this jealous king who feared the true king of the Jews. And so from Jesus' birth, he was known as the king of the Jews. And so we see that he was a king. And we see when if we fast forward all the way to the end of Jesus' ministry uh, here on earth, uh, when uh, the Roman Empire uh, was crucifying Jesus, uh, they put the inscription above Jesus' head, King of the Jews. So from the birth of Jesus up until the death of Jesus here on earth, he was known as the King of the Jews. That, that sweet, precious baby boy, Jesus, the, the, the Christ, the, the anointed one, the son of God, he was the king. He was the king of the Jews from his birth to his death. And now some of the Jews did not think uh, that Jesus uh, was the Christ, because he wasn't the authoritative king that they were expecting for in the Christ. See, the, the Jews, uh, as they were waiting thousands and thousands of years for this Messiah, for the Christ to come, they were expecting this Christ to come with power and authority. They were expecting the Christ to come as king of the world and conquer the Roman Empire, because if, if you don't know much about the history around Jesus' time, the, the, the Roman Empire severely mistreated the Jews in even more so the Christians after uh, Jesus was alive. And and, and so these Jews were were seeking for someone to free them from the hands of the Roman Empire. And uh, as we may be familiar with, uh, Jesus did not come at that time to free the Jews from the hands of the uh, Roman Empire. And so throughout his ministry, uh, one of the reasons why many people didn't believe in Jesus was because that he didn't appear to be the king that the people were expecting. As, as he came in his triumphal entry, as, as he's entering the, the city of Jerusalem for his very last time, the capital of the Jews, the capital of his people, he's riding on a donkey because he, 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 he was a humble man to, to fulfill a prophecy. Because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, yes, he was king of the Jews, but he was a humble man as well. But now Jesus, even though he was known throughout all of his life, from, from the birth to his death, even though he was known as the king of the Jews his whole life, he was so much more than just the king of the Jews. So much more than just the king of the Jews. And now, a lot of people, as, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, a lot, a lot of people fail to give Jesus the credit, the glory, and the honor that, that he so much deserves. And, and I'll admit, uh, I, I think I was, I was one of those people growing up um, who, who did not give Jesus the credit that he deserved. In my eyes, um, I, I, I was born and raised in the church my whole life, uh, but in my eyes, uh, Jesus was uh, just a, a sinless man who died on the cross for my sins. I didn't think much more of him, and I didn't think much less of him, that he was, he was simply a, a sinless, perfect man who, who loved me so much that he would die on the cross for my sins. Um, and, and I know a lot of biblical Unitarians who have this problem uh, of not giving Jesus the, the credit, glory, honor, and praise that he so much deserves because, again, a lot of people are scared to make Jesus out to be God which Jesus clearly uh, states uh, throughout the Gospels that uh, he, he's not equal with God, for he himself stated that uh, the Father is, is greater than I. But, but for that reason, a, a lot of people uh, of, of like-minded faith like us don't give Jesus enough credit because they're, they're scared of making him out to be God. But that I, I I don't want to be someone who, who does not give Jesus uh, the, the credit, glory, and honor that he so much deserves because as as we'll talk about in a bit, he was so much more than the king of the Jews. So much more than than, than just the king of the Jews. That's he has so much more authority than just the king of the Jews. I, I mean, we, we think of like the United States, uh, one, of, one of, if not the most powerful nation in the world. And we think of just the power and authority that the president of the United States has as they're in charge of one of, if not the most powerful nations uh, of the world. And, and that's a lot of power and that's a lot of authority to have. But I'll, I'll make the point that even Jesus has more power and authority than, than any than any president or any king of this age because Jesus was so much more than just the king of the Jews. For I think that that God has handed Jesus all authority. All authority, I think, God has given to Jesus. And and I get this idea, if you have your Bibles reading from the beginning of the book of Matthew, but you can flip all the way to the very ends of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28-28. In uh, verses 18 and 20, uh, this is known as the Great Commission. I, I'm sure many of you guys are familiar with the, the Great Commission where Jesus instructs the disciples to go and make disciples, um, baptizing the people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, teach, well. I won't say it all, as so we're going to read it here. Um, But uh, it says in verse 18 of chapter 28, And Jesus came and said to them, his disciples, um, before he ascended up into heaven at the right hand of God, uh, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven is and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So many of us are probably familiar with, with uh, this uh, Great Commission, but you're probably familiar with verses 19 through 20, where it starts, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's probably the part that you're familiar with, but uh, but a part that a lot of people skip over in the Great Commission is how Jesus starts it. In verse 18, Jesus says, All Authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus doesn't say some or a bit or a lot of authority has been given to me. He says all, all authority, and, and not just on earth either, but all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. That is incredible. That is so much more than just the King of the Jews. He is so much more than that, although that, that's still quite the impressive title, the king of the Jews, but he was so much more than just the king of the Jews, for all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And, and how Jesus could either be a liar uh, and claiming that uh, all authority in heaven and on earth, or he truly may have all the authority uh, in heaven and on earth. And uh, me, I think it's a wise decision not to claim Jesus a liar. But I believe him when he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And so it's not, he doesn't have just authority over the Jews, but Christ has authority over the whole world. God has given him that authority, now, now, God has given Jesus that authority. So what that tells me is there was some point in time where Jesus didn't have all of, of that authority, where Jesus didn't have authority over the heaven and the earth. Um, but at some point in time, some, some point in history, God gave Jesus all authority in heaven And on earth. Now, if Jesus were God, he he would have had that authority all along. But no, at some point in time, God gave Jesus all of the authority in heaven and on earth authority over the Jews, authority over uh, the, the, the Greek, the Gentiles, and authority over us as Christians, authority over the heavenly beings. Christ has authority over the heavens and the earth, and not just authority, but all authority. That's how magnificent. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is, he is the king. Jesus is the king. And as I was getting ready for this message and studying and looking at the type of power and authority that Jesus has, I was surprised by how many verses, how many passages in the New Testament talk about the authority that Jesus had. Because growing up, I totally missed those passages. Somehow, my, my eyes were totally blind. That Jesus had all of the authority. That God handed Jesus all of the authority. In Matthew chapter eleven, uh, verse twenty-seven, Jesus states that all things have been handed over to him from God. In John chapter three, verse thirty-five, John the Baptist states that the Father has given all things into the hand of the Son. John thirteen three states that Jesus knew that the Father has given him all things. John 17, 2, Jesus stated that God has given him authority over all flesh. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, Paul states that God placed Jesus far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. Over and over and over again, we we see throughout the, the New Testament that God has given Jesus all authority. That Jesus has authority over you and I as Jesus is king. We see that message over and over. And again, I don't know uh, how uh, my, my foolish self uh, missed that for so long, that, that, that Jesus is so much more than, than just the guy who died on the cross for our sins. He's so much more than, than, than just the king of the Jews, for he is the king of the world. For God has granted them that, that, that power and that authority. And so as we read through these passages, we have two choices. Either one, uh, either John the Baptist, Jesus and Paul, uh, they're all cynical liars or they're all misformed. Or two, we see that Jesus truly has been given all authority. And, and again, I, th- I think it's the wise choice to, g- to go with choice number two, that Jesus truly has been given all authority from God. And, and that's a careful distinction that we have to make there, that, that authority was given to Jesus from God. Jesus was handed that, that authority. Jesus didn't have that authority all along. He, 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 he's not, he wasn't God eternal, but God gave him that authority so that Jesus has authority over all the heavens and over all the earth. And with all this authority that, that Jesus has, he is truly the king of the world's. In Revelation chapter 17, uh, verse 14, and 19, 16, it talks about how Jesus is king of kings. He's given that title of king of kings. We we have uh, maybe not necessarily too many kings anymore, but we have our presidents, we have our dictators, we still have a couple of kings, but Jesus is king of those kings. Jesus is king of those dictators, for Jesus is king and has authority over the heavens and the earth. How awesome is that? That is a wonderful reason in which, to this day, why we still celebrate the birth of that precious baby Jesus. As Jesus one time was precious just like my baby Ezra. He was a cute, precious little baby, cute little innocent baby, but he was a king from the beginning, and somewhere in time God has given him all authority in heaven and on earth. And so the question that we may ask is, well, what does that authority look like? What does it look like to be the king of the kings, to be king of the worlds? And, and, and in this day and age, uh, Jesus may not necessarily be demonstrating his power and authority here on earth. But let me tell you, there, there's coming a day where Jesus is going to express his authority of king of the worlds. And, and we can get just a glimpse of that. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I know uh, we we've gone over this passage before. This is known as uh, the resurrection uh, chapter, but uh, had to go over it and talking about Jesus being the King of the world. As I stated before, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, known as the resurrection chapter, as it's talking about the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of us as well. And so starting in in verse 20 of uh, chapter 15, uh, Paul writes, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For God has put all things, there, there, there we see this message again, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. The, those last uh, couple verses are probably a bit confusing. We'll, we'll go over that in a bit. But but here it talks about uh, that, that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He is the first one uh, who, they, they say uh, that term fallen asleep in chapter 20. Now, they're not saying that Jesus is the first one uh, to be uh, to be alive again after falling asleep. No, they're, they're saying, they're, they're using falling asleep as a euphemism, or it's a, basically a, a gentle way of putting that. Uh, he was dead um, as again when when we're dead uh, we're, we're basically just sleeping we're, we're resting resting in peace um. And so Christ was the first one to be resurrected uh, from, from the dead. He was the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And, and it continues, it says, and all shall be made alive through Christ. All shall be resurrected through Christ, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, and verse 23, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. So Jesus, right now, uh, Jesus the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the King of the world, he's sitting at the right hand of God right now, but one day he's going to return to. to to this earth, and when he returns to this earth, it says that those who belong to him, basically those who are Christians, will be resurrected. And then it says, then comes the end. So, so it fast forwards uh, through uh, a, a lot of end time theories and, and end time chronology. But then it says, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to, enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. So there we, we, we see that in the end, Jesus is going to express his authority as king of the world. As Jesus is going to be, he's going to be the king of the world. He's going to reign over this world and he's going to destroy every enemy. He's going to destroy every opposing ruler, every opposing authority, every opposing power. Because he is the king of the world. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And after Jesus had destroyed all the opposing forces, powers, and authorities, then it says that Jesus will deliver the kingdom to God the Father. And it talks about how, how, how in verses 27 and 28, that God has put all things in subjection to Jesus. Um, but the, those last confusing passages talking about basically how God is in subjection under Jesus. Even though God has put uh, everything under Jesus' feet, God has put all things of subjection to Jesus, God doesn't qualify in that as God is still uh, above Jesus, even though Jesus is the king of the world. And so that's the power and that's the authority that our king has, the king of the world, Jesus, the son of God, Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the king. He is so much more than just the guy who died for our sins. He's so much more than just the king of the Jews. For Jesus has so much glory and honor, for he is the king of the world, as God has put all things in subjection to Jesus. And before Jesus hands the kingdom over to God, Jesus is going to express his authority as king, and part of that uh, expression of authority over the world is that Jesus is going to judge the world. In Acts 17.31 it states, Because he, being God, has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So it says that God is going to judge the world by a man. God has appointed Jesus to be the judge of the world. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 10 states, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So, so in chapter 15 of Corinthians, as, as we read, as it kind of jumps to the end when, when Jesus hands the kingdom over to his Father, there's a lot of stuff that has to take place before that. And one of those things is that Jesus is going to judge the world as Jesus is king of the world. And so he's talk about Jesus being king of the world. And as we talk about God giving Jesus all authority in heaven and on earth, that's great. And, and, and we should give praise and glory to, to both God and, and his son, Jesus. But, but what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us that, that Jesus is the king of the world? What that means is we need to get our act together. Because on Christmas Day, we we, we celebrate uh, the, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Christ, the King of the worlds. And as I mentioned, one day that King, Jesus, is going to come back to this earth and he's going to demonstrate his power and authority over the earth. And when he demonstrates that power and authority it talks about in 2 Corinthians 5.10 that everybody is going to be presented before the judgment seat of Christ. Basically, if, if you have accepted the free gift of God, which is eternal life, which is only possible through the sacrifice of Jesus, then you'll be innocent, then, then, then you'll be righteous, and you'll spend eternity with God and Jesus and your other, one, other loved ones who, who, who accepted that free gift of eternal life. Now, if you haven't accepted uh, that free gift of eternal life, um, then you got a scary future ahead of you. Uh, There's no way around that. But but thank goodness for the grace of God, for he has extended his grace to us so that when Jesus comes back to this earth to establish his rule and authority, it's possible for us to be found righteous in the eyes of God, and to be found righteous in the eyes of Jesus, and that's only made possible through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so as we celebrate the birth of, our, of Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, the, the, the King of the worlds, that's a reminder to us that we need to get our act together. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born, and, and he was a baby, but, but he, he, he's grown up. He's been given all authority. He's sitting at the right hand of God. But one day, Jesus is coming back to establish his Father's kingdom here on earth. And I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I long for that day when Jesus comes back to establish his Father's kingdom. Because if you devote your life to God, and if you devote your life to Jesus, then you'll have a, a perfect, never-ending life in God's coming kingdom Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for uh, this beautiful day. Father, I thank you for the birth of your son, Jesus, the son of God, the son of Yahweh. Father, I thank you for the birth of the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Father, I thank you for the birth of the king of the world. Father, I just pray that that we can give your son, Jesus, the proper respect, the proper glory and honor. Not too much, not too little. And so I just pray that as we enjoy this Christmas season, that again, we can, we can remember the true reason of the season. And that reason of the season is the birth of your son and the birth of our king. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.